All right. So we're talking about the 18.6 year cycle. And for some, they haven't seen it play out before, but I happened to start when this thing was at its peak last time around. And so I've been able to live through almost an entire cycle now. And it looks like we're getting into the last stages of this. So I'm not sure if you can see my cursor, but we're up yep. here. Guys, I've got Jason on the channel here, uh, which is uh, very exciting because we're going to talk about things like Bitcoin, crypto cycles, the economy and the health of the economy. But uh, Jason, if you can introduce yourself to the audience and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. And yeah, look, I look at macro cycle analysis across real estate, the stock markets worldwide and Bitcoin and crypto. The main thing that I look at is basically pulling from the easiest markets, which I think is crypto and Bitcoin. They're the youngest and the easiest to follow and, and make some good gains from. And then keep investing into my real estate portfolio, which I'm building here in Southeast Queensland, Gold Coast and Brisbane. So that's essentially the guts of what I do. And you know, that's how you and I got together because we had similar interests. Yeah, nice, nice. And I guess we will touch on crypto, Bitcoin and things like that. But for context, how long have you sort of been in the space with uh, with real estate? You had previous profession in real estate as well. And then you went into the Bitcoin world. Yeah, that was a long time ago. 2006, I bought my first property in Brisbane. So that was Cooper if anyone's from Southeast Queensland. And then I stayed in that inner city area, got into Camp Hill when I was 21. So you can sort of guess how old I am now. And the whole thing started from my love in property, I guess, as a teenager, just watching those cycles continue to play out time and time again. And then the big question comes up is like, why do we always get it wrong when it comes to the cycle? Because I, I end up getting burnt in different markets, in particular, Aussies know the mining towns. So I got burnt around 2012 buying at the wrong time. So that led me on the next stage of my investment journey, which is is now up to, I don't know, 16, 17 years as to when is the best time to sell? Because everyone tells you to buy, but you know, people basically are telling you to buy at the peaks of the market. So you know, that's where I've come to from that point. And then Bitcoin crypto started interest around 2016. And then I got in early 2017, fortunately, and then was able to see multiple cycles. So you see the same sort of market sentiment and the way people act in markets a lot more frequently in crypto. So then, then it preps you for the real estate cycle because it comes around a lot less. And we have a similar view, I think when it comes to that length of the of the real estate cycle. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. I think with any new technology, with obviously blockchain at the moment, Bitcoin, crypto, it's all new. So you see the cycles play out probably a lot quicker than you see something like land cycles, which you know have been around for yonks. Hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, we have a lot of data for the US and the UK. And then obviously for Australia, it runs to a similar heartbeat. So I think that's what we're going to get into in um, chats today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's get started with, uh, I guess, overall at the moment, there's a lot of fear, recession fears. It seems like it's the go-to thing for the last five years. It's supposed to collapse every year. What are your sort of overall thoughts around the health of the economy? We've seen rates obviously increase quite dramatically. Are you in the camp that, you know, we're expecting a crash today at 5 p.m. or you know, is it a bit longer than that? Yeah, the ones that continue to call collapse, collapse every single year. It is a bit longer than that. And we are seeing prices go up. Just looking at the data, I know that starts to get a little people, a few people offside because they're expecting a big collapse and they're hoping for the downside to pick up cheaper prices across everything, which you and I both want as well. But, you know, we can't force that on the market. I'm seeing that we are continuing up. We've bottomed in 2022, which is, you know, what we talked about on my channel as well last year, looking at those cycle lows for the stock markets, for real estate. And we've got some charts to bring up later as well. And of course, Bitcoin. Cryptocurrencies, altcoins, different story. You know, this is like a degen space, penny stock type game. Let's leave that aside. But yeah, the data is showing that those are going up. So it's almost different to the economy 
where we don't trade the economy, we trade the markets. That's where our money goes. And I think a big mistake that a lot of people do, especially when they start getting into investing, is that they try to trade the economy saying, well, there's a lot of unhealthy things that are going on in the economy. Therefore, the market should collapse. And it keeps a lot of people sidelined through the first growth stage of the market, which is very, very unfortunate. And they get in too late. So I think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I see it um, on the ground floor, obviously, with the buyer's agency. You know, we're buying multiple properties every week and across all of Australia. And you see such a big difference between what the media headlines are, what the majority of people comment on YouTube videos versus the ones that are out there active in the market. It's a big difference what's going on in the market compared to those uh, YouTube comments. And I think I like the YouTube comments because it gives you a bit of an idea of what the sentiment is. And, you know, as much as they can be a little bit, but, you know, they're a bit, they're a bit harsh at times. You can see that it's probably the mindset of a lot of people. People write when they're really happy or they write when they're really pissed off. Yeah, you can see there's pain. I've mm -hmm. seen it, you know, change from early last year where people are euphoric, you know, liking their properties going up in value, crypto is doing well. And then you've suddenly seen a lot of people in pain, which means a bit more uh, spreading of the aggressive comments. But let's jump into some charts uh, because mm. people would love to see some data as well. So I've just got here <laughs> CoreLogic monthly housing chart update. They bring this out every month. It's free for anyone that wants to access it. They can go through to CoreLogic. But the reason I bring this up is because we've always been sort of thinking about how property has got to go down. We've seen interest rates increase. So if interest rates increase, the borrowing power drops for a lot of people. That means less borrowing power means property prices should actually come down. But there's so much more to it. Just like with anything we look at, there's supply and demand is a big factor. But right here, we've got residential real estate here is now passed again. $10 trillion, which we didn't think we were going to see for a while. But again, this is a major factor why we see housing as such a big focus for Australians because 56% of our household wealth is in housing. Now, obviously, I don't talk too much on my channel about commercial real estate, but we've got you know a change in how people operate with obviously the pandemic. We don't have office spaces uh, being occupied as much. So vacancy rates in many parts of Australia have office spaces you know, with vacancy rates past 40%. But when you start looking at vacancy rates in residential real estate, that's where it gets really fascinating. But also, mm. I guess it's quite tragic when you hear stories about people not being able to find a house, right? It's that's the same sort of thing that you see up where you guys are living? Yes, it was... Uh, very, very crazy. And, you know, the same old story, everyone up here in Southeast Queensland blames it on you guys in the South, in Sydney and <laughs> Melbourne, because you come up and see the prices and you're like, wow, this thing is so cheap. And now it's even easier for you to come up to work from here. Obviously, we all know what happened with COVID. It's just everyone can work from anywhere. And so that's what happened after 2020 with that low and things just skyrocketed and rents went haywire, especially on the Gold Coast, because it's like, why wouldn't you want to live on the beach at such cheap prices. I think an interesting figure there is residential real estate is 10 trillion in value. Outstanding mortgage debt is 2.2 trillion. Now, I don't know how close those relate, but it's it's a roughly 20% in debt, which isn't that crazy. You know, things get Correct. crazy when that blows out. And you may have already alluded to that before, but then commercial real estate is 1.3 trillion. And so you have all the news saying, well, commercial real estate's vacant, things are going on, there's a crash in commercial real estate. And it's like, look, it's one tenth of that value. And the majority of the money is in residential real estate. There's more in superannuation. There's more in um, listed stocks. So yeah, we've got to just put those news points into perspective, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a big point or big uh, topic for this year has been the mortgage cliff and how everyone's got all this debt and now the interest rates have increased. We're all going to default. But when you actually think about it, I think there's less than 30% of people in Australia that actually have a mortgage on their property full stop. So when you think about you know an LVR position of all of Australia, value being 10, 10 trillion, 
outstanding debt at 2 trillion, you're at 20% LVR. Most people are, are comfortable taking 95%. So even if the market was to drop by 10, 15%, you're not, not going to see this massive collapse by 70, 80%. And I think we address that straight up. If you're sitting there hoping on the sidelines that property prices are going to drop by 50, 60%, and then I'm going to come in and buy what I want. We've seen what happened in previous cycles. And if you're new to the game, don't sit on the sidelines waiting for something like that to happen because hope is emotion, but we've got to look at logic and that's how we've got to act. Now, off the back of that, obviously we've got you know bigger cycles playing out and one of the big i guess consulting firms or accounting firms that came out earlier this year and said that prices should surge in financial year 24 and 25. Does that sort of, I know we're sort of precursor into land cycles, 18.6 year cycles, you've mentioned it, I've mentioned on the channel, but what are your sort of thoughts around where we're at at the moment before we sort of jump into the numbers here in relation to the 18.6 year cycle? Yeah, I think we're coming out of that low, which was around 2020. And that was a time where there was extreme fear and people saying, don't buy, things are going to collapse 50%. CBA, of course, they're the best ones to fade, aren't they? It was like the market's going to collapse 30%. A few quarters later, they're like, oh, the market's going to go up 40%. So they're telling you the things as, well, after it happens. So <laughs> I could definitely see this happening with the markets going up. There's still a lot of cash on the sidelines. And I mean, the prices have already shown that. And I've got a bit of data as well, putting together the core logic and charting that, which is you know what we typically do and just showing the growth increasing. So yeah, I'm yeah, definitely nice. seeing this year over year growth as well. Yeah, cool. I'll shift it over to you sharing your uh, charts in a second. But I just want to look at this sure. and, you know, again, expectations, predictions, it's not really worth it. You can't make decisions based on these sort of things. But the consensus is that you can't really see a top in the market when, you know, you still have 50, 60% people thinking we're about to crash. What you'll generally find is before the crash actually happens or the top of the market, you'll see, you know, 85, 90% of the people go, no, prices are never coming down. We're going to continue going higher. Consumer confidence should be like all the way up the top. And what you can see here is even if we see anything, I guess, similar to what these numbers are predicting or, you know, could play out, you're looking at collectively anywhere between 5 and 10% growth for next year and the year after. And it's absolutely absurd when you start putting that into context with Sydney prices being at, you know, sort of 1.1, 1.2 million for a house. An extra 5 or 10% is going to be massive. Something I haven't mentioned on the channel before is tax cuts are coming in 2024. And I don't think people realize how much of a factor Personal that is. Personal or business? Because I think business is now down to 25. Personal. So the Personal, brackets yeah. are getting, yeah. So, and it actually benefits those who make more. So, I mean, the system's unfair, you know, depending on what view you have on it, but at the end of the day, that's the rules we're playing by. And when you start mm -hmm. seeing people increase their borrowing capacity by 30, 40, $50,000, potential rate cuts, who knows what that looks like, but that's why these numbers are starting to come up. I'll let you share your screen um, and we'll talk about uh, what you were alluding to before. All right. So we're talking about the 18.6 year cycle and for some, they haven't seen it play out before, but I happened to start when this thing was at its peak last time around. And so I've been able to live through almost an entire cycle now. And it looks like we're getting into the last stages of this. So I'm not sure if you can see my cursor, but we're up yep. here. Commodities boom, huge infrastructure spending, era of very easy money, which sounds mind blowing because people are still, you know, we're still seeing banks, oh, sorry, governments printing money. And then banks are now making it easier to get loans. And we're up to 95% loans that I saw recently. There was even some of the uh, neo banks doing 0% down, I believe. Yep. Seen and that also, one well. Was it Ubank from NAB? I think so. And they've also started increasing their loan term. So instead of 30 years, 40 year loans. So easier money that is coming. 
That's exactly what we were talking about three years ago through 2020 and how this thing can take off. Because at the time when the market's collapsing, no one can understand how this could keep going on. And I thought that was a pretty good topic to bring up with you as we go through more of these uh, interviews in the future, if we so do. Then it's like, how can this play out? It's just, I don't know exactly how it can play out. But of course, the governments are probably going to keep printing money somehow. There's going to be more money thrown into Australia because real estate is is a great Ponzi scheme here. It's a game that everyone wants to play and more worldwide money comes in. And we just can't make sense of it as everyday Australians earning the wage here. But when you travel outside of Australia and you can see the amount of wealth out there and they need to put that wealth somewhere to protect it, then Australia seems like a very easy place, especially because our laws are open to them where they can buy property here and own it compared to Indonesia, Thailand, and some other places. Oh, there's plenty of places around the world where you're not allowed to own it, but you can only have to leasehold. So 18.6 year bottom was roughly 2011, 2012. This is land prices and economic growth not the stock market's peaks and bottoms, but it works in tune. And we've just gone through that that uh, pretty significant drop here in the middle, which is that light blue section through 2020 with the yellow, and then on the way out again. So yeah, it looks like we're, we'll be coming into those last few years, which is the symptom of probably one of the biggest collapses that we will see in our lifetimes. It'll probably exceed 2008 collapse. Well, it'll likely have to exceed that because we're going to have more money in the game. There's going to be more printed money. It's into the trillions now, whereas 2008, I think they printed 300 billion or 400 billion. People are losing their minds. Now that happens on a monthly basis. You know, it's that sort of thing. Like printing that leads to this boom, huge boom. And what follows is a very devastating collapse. And so the top end is probably going to get even wealthier. That's what leads to some pretty harsh stuff coming later this decade, probably into the 2030s, where it could be a lot of civil unrest. Probably looking at the US, I don't know how far wide that ex- it goes around the world, but I don't want it. We're not both sitting here being permables like this thing's going to go up forever. But essentially, that last stage, that mania where everyone's like, bye, 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 this thing's never going to come down. Government's printing all this money or, you know, money's coming from somewhere. They're going to say it can never end. And that is the point where things probably flip. Yeah. And I think where Jason and I sort of see eye to eye on is it doesn't matter if the top is in 25, it doesn't matter <laughs> if it's in 28. It's just we've got to keep an eye out for what is playing out and then adapting our strategies and, you know, updating our plans at that time. Because if you suddenly see tomorrow CBA comes in, drops their mortgage rates by 200 basis points, they allow for 105% lending or something ridiculous like that, then you probably know that it's going to be about six or 12 months after that, that we're going to see most likely a top of some sort because it's unsustainable. Now, a question I had for you, Jason, was obviously this is land cycles. If we look back at what happened in 2008, the GFC, land prices or, you know, housing in US, you know, were affected a lot more than what we were affected here in Australia. Do you think that this time around will be similar where we won't see as big of a crash? Maybe it is a drop or pullback of about 10 or 20% versus a 40, 50% crash. What are your thoughts on that? In the US, it was 200 down to a point of about 130. So it was a pretty significant drop. That's too low there. So yeah, 35% for Australia or the US? For Australia. Uh, and for Australia. We'll the US. Australia might not be as lucky next time round because of another very significant long-term cycle, which is the commodity cycle. And you know, if, if anyone's interested, they want to do the homework and go and do the research, you've got Kondratiev. So Nikolai Kondratiev was a Russian economist who unfortunately got killed in prison by the Russians because they didn't like what he was coming up with in his research. And the research was talking about the West was going to continue up. This was in the 1920s, executed in 1930s. So I know we took a bit of a spin there, but it really, for me, it shows the importance of that commodity cycle 
cycle and how that showed the West was rising in the commodity cycle. So when the commodity prices go up, the West is doing very, very well. And then we have a period of them going down. So that cycle is roughly 54 to 60 years, bottom to bottom. So about call it 30 years up, 30 years down. Now it can be as short as 40, as long as 60, but it's a pretty damn long cycle. And so through 2008, we were going through the stage, we were still going up. Whereas that cycle now is peaking towards the end of this decade. So we're going to see the real estate cycle peak. We're seeing commodity cycles peak. And when commodities are up, the world's doing well. When commodities are down, the world is not doing very well. So yeah, we've got two very major cycles coming together. And that also leads into another cycle, which was the, if you've heard of the fourth turning, some of the guys watching might've heard of that. If you've read it, seen a little bit about it, that's a rough sort of 80 to 90 year cycle. And that's coming to a peak at the end of this decade as well, which leads into unfortunately like devastating war times. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but for me, the main message is stop being so fearful about a collapse in the market in 2023. We need to prepare now and make the gains from the market the best way we know how, because I think we've only got a few good years left before that collapse occurs. So yeah, look, yeah, that's my big one. And I agree with that. I think, are we going to see some sort of pullback, some sort of correction in the market? Yes. And I think the years, like obviously if it says 2020, it doesn't have to happen in those 12 months. It can go either or, but it's going to be the symptoms we look at before those things play out. And the other factor is as well, is that if you sort of are a sideline now when there is a bit of fear, interest rates are higher, so there's less competition to get into the market. When money is easier to lend out, there's going to be more money coming into the system with property and things like that. So property prices should be on the rise for the next couple of years. So when you're positioning yourself, you might be out of the market in the fear that, oh, we have a recession, default, mortgage cliff for the next two, three, four years. And suddenly when it is time to actually be selling out of those markets or consolidating your positions and paying down some debt, you might be going, oh, I've seen the markets go up for three years. I'm done. I'm coming in. I'm going to FOMO buy. And that is usually when you get wrecked. So I think Although we're covering off, you know, longer cycles and things playing out at the back end of this decade, it's more about we still have a good couple of years before that stuff plays out. And you can still make a lot of uh, money, put yourself in better positions so you can weather the storm when those things eventuate anyway. It definitely. And if it comes to that end peak, the last thing you want to do is be in very deep debt. So your LVR is way out of balance. You want to really be reducing the debt that you owe to the banks. So that if we do see a 20 or 30% correction, it's not going to affect you. Unfortunately, it's so unfortunate, but it will happen again. And the masses, probably the mum and dad investors, that sort of stuff that come in too late will be affected. It's what happened. You know, the peak was around 2006. We had a collapse into 2010, 2012, especially for the US, essentially. It's unfortunate, but it happens sort of rough roughly every 20 years, which is why it's the 18.6 year. We won't need to get into the exact numbers why that is. But yeah, if we just talk about it as a 20 year, it's like every generation gets hit by this because they forget the past or they really haven't learned about the past. So yeah. Yeah, correct. Uh, I mean, even just on the LVR positions, like at the moment I'm buying real estate at 90%. And although that doesn't suit everyone, then that's fine. At 90%, if the property value goes up by 20 or 30%, my LVR is naturally a lot lower. It's more so going, okay, at that point, then I can start taking some chips off the table, sell some positions or even you know pay down some debt. And then I'm sitting at an LVR position of 40, 50% versus if you get into the market 26, 27, 28 at 90% lens based on the data that we have at the moment, you're then peaking out. You know, If the market does pull back by 10, 15, now you're in negative equity territory. And that's the sort of stuff that we're saying is just learn from the past history rhymes. Yeah, exactly. And the best way to do that, of course, do as much research as you can, but just study what the US is doing. 
because they, they lead everything. And it's really where the most money is. Well, it is the, where the most money is in the world, the highest GDP, what are they, 33 trillion in debt. I, I forget what their GDP is. It's somewhere around that uh, 20 or 30 trillion, because I think China's up around 19 or uh, 20 trillion as well, you know, being the second largest country. And of course, now that we're global, then it's the impact is probably going to be even more severe. And I think for the Aussies, we kind of got out of it pretty, pretty easily last time, considering what happened around the world. So hopefully we don't fall back into that thought of, well, last time we got out of it, the government will save us again. And, you know, we won't collapse because that's the time where you should really be looking after yourself and not allowing the government to look after you. Correct. Correct. Now, I've got some uh, interesting stuff here on my screen yeah. here that I'll share. We're all talking about, okay, there's this collapse coming probably in the next couple of years. We don't know when it's coming, but what is going to push prices a lot higher? And there's a couple of things that I want to bring to people's attention is, you know, we've got huge demand from the world. So we've got probably the second highest amount of millionaire migrants that are coming to Australia. So relative to the rest of the world, and you look at population, like is expected to increase by 2 million people to 27.7 million by 2026. I still remember having, there was like this massive media party when we hit 20 million. And I don't feel like it was too long ago, but now we're just clicking over the millions pretty easy. And by 2036, 31 million. The main point I'm trying to make here is because property is different to things like stocks and you know whatever else you're investing in. It's more like people need it for shelter, right? And so what we're seeing is we have all this demand coming in, but the current rate of you know, approvals for new homes is nowhere near where it needs to be in order to provide enough housing for people. So when you think about basic economics and you look at, you know, there's too much demand relative to the supply, you need prices to go higher because there's too much demand for the existing supply. And then uh, the, the other thing I was going to show is obviously we know that construction costs, so construction to build a new home has drastically increased. And yeah, you know, narratives around it's potential things around the world that are causing these things. But the reality is when you have all this money stimulus coming into the business, uh, into the economy for doing practically nothing, things get out of whack pretty quickly. But the bigger thing here is with construction, the materials have increased, but then it's also the flow on effect where interest rates are so high that people can't afford to hold onto this construction loan, continue paying that debt. So now we've got people starting constructions, but the rate of cancellations have started increasing as well. So you just don't have enough property in the market currently relative to the immigration that's coming in. And then when you look at the next four to five years, there's simply not enough being built because as we know, you can't just go, I'm going to build a house tomorrow. It's you've got to go through planning, got to go through council, get the approvals. And by the time that sort of stuff happens, you've got a ne the next inflow of more people. Yeah. It's like 12 months behind minimum. Correct. So correct. Once that stuff starts to finish, it could be 2026 and then you have a glut on the market, which is trying to make up for the previous part. What I was going to get at before was how the narratives are so different when it comes to the media. Last year, 2022, no one talked about the amount of Im immigration coming through Australia. No one talked about the shortage of housing that we have around the country or the shortage of um, uh, building, except maybe Ravi here, who's got that on his channel as well. But <laughs> no, this was only from seven days ago, but I was just uh, <laughs> alluding to the fact that we had population already increasing for 2022, but no one was talking about it. Exactly. The very few. Of course, when we say no one, it's it's like the, the minority. The media is definitely not talking about it because obviously bad news sells. We all know that, but we, we still get addicted to it. Well, I call it fear porn. Someone came up with that, I think one of my YouTube comment sections. And I was like, that's a brilliant word for it because all we see is fear porn on YouTube. YouTube. I've been guilty of it, but I give as much as I can to show in the videos that now is the great time. If we missed out on 2020, then we've got another opportunity now before that 
peak. So there's probably a couple of big questions like how do we know the market is only going to collapse for 12 months? How do we know it's not going to be another 2000 to 2002 or 2003 bottom? You know, it's, it's not a two or three year collapse. And that's why we look back at the 20 year cycle. So the, the mid year cycles of uh, short lived, they're sort of that 12 month period, like we saw with the S&P 500 last year was 10 months, Jan January to October. And same sort of deal for real estate as well through those mid cycle peaks. Maybe it's a year, year and a half, that sort of thing. But the end of cycle, that's where it's devastating. Three, four, maybe five or six years, like what happened last time from that peak to trough. And that's pretty difficult. So it's really just a look at the narratives. And now all we see with the narratives is a lot of people, not enough homes, CBA telling us about the property price is going to go up 30% when last year they told us they're going to collapse 30%. Who pays for these economists in the organization? Maybe they're trying to fool each other, you know, CBA to fool <laughs> Westpac or whoever. I don't know, but they get it wrong almost every single time. Yeah, I think you've got people that are constantly saying every year prices will go up by 20, 30%. And then on the other spectrum side of the spectrum, you've got people saying we're going to have a crash pure to 40, 50% every year. And I think for people, it's, you know, we get distracted by these things. I saw a recent quote, which was, you know, when we saw the fall of Rome, apparently they had the circus on uh, almost every day. And that was to distract everyone from what was going on. So I feel like really? the media is a bit of a circus at the moment. But at the moment, it's probably forever. At, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. It's probably at the height at the moment. Sorry to anyone um, working in media. <laughs> we're probably not going to get any PR certifications yeah. anytime soon. But um, just here, we're seeing prices where, you know, if you even think about it, 2022, all the doom and gloom, our prices are going to come down. We really saw it, you know, based on prop track, it's closer to about 4% uh, Australia-wide. But then you had places like Sydney and Melbourne go down about 7%. And when you think about it, when you've just had all of this growth, having a, a bit of a pullback for, you know, 7 to 10% it is actually nothing. And this is the rate of growth. So when we actually see the rate of growth increasing here, it's, you know, the pace at which we're growing. And what we're seeing now is Sydney prices are pretty much getting closer to their peak in many parts. And Western Australia is at its peak. Adelaide is close to its peak as well. So it's very interesting how those narratives change so quickly. I can understand when we had cheap credit, you know, interest rates being at mortgage rates 2%, 3%. We're now at 6 or 7%. And now we're starting to see those all-time highs. So when I think we see those interest rates cut, we see tax cuts and we see easier money, where do we see ourselves, you know, sort of seeing asset prices then? Unaffordability is like a concern that we've had for decades and decades. Forever. Um, Even when I was buying in 2005, six, it was affordability. I was 20, 21. And all they said, I worked in real estate as a property manager back then when I was 20. And all they said is, you won't be able to buy a house in the future. Like, how can you ever afford a house? Little did we know, you know, four years, five years later, it was everyone could afford to buy a house, but the banks weren't lending because it was in a collapse. So that's the difficult part. Yeah, correct. And, and I'll finish on this point, which is Housing is not just about picking the right assets. It's a game of finance more than anything. If you mm. can't get a loan from the bank, unfortunately, real estate doesn't really work for you. And I guess people on my channel, they focus more on real estate. And you and I both know that the core of our wealth should go back into real estate or hard assets like that. But I guess it's a perfect segue into where we're at with Bitcoin, because I know my audience likes investing in those sort of things too. Where are your sort of overall thoughts? Everyone keeps calling for like 10K Bitcoin, 12K Bitcoin. Is that coming from a place of hope or are we seeing something play out? I think it's mostly from, yes, hope, this fear of a looming, ever looming recession, this fear of the stock market collapsing over and over and over again. That's all we keep hearing. But this is what we currently see. So I've got my chart up here of... Bitcoin, and we continue to put in higher low after higher low, with the cycle low being in at 15 and a half thousand. 
based on timing, which is essentially my main focus, that's what I look at when it comes to macro cycles, that is very much looking like it's the cycle low. And when the market broke out in January of 2023, so earlier this year, that really did look like that's it. That's the cycle low. A big reason for that and how I was able to, I guess, identify it so early on, even though we had some very significant collapses after that point, is that we had FTX, the FTX collapse through here in November. And it's it's a bit of a price versus psychological game where the market was able to find value through this whole bar. So you can see that price bar get overcome in January. So price made its way all the way back up to it. And the market said, we see value at uh, $21,000 Bitcoin, even though that was the price that FTX collapsed at, which took the market down to 15 and a half. So when you start to figure that out, it's like, well, those prices at 15, 16, 17, 18K, they're gone. We won't see that again for this cycle because all the supply has been taken off the market at those prices. And now whatever you want to call it, smart money, the insiders, the manipulation, whatever you want to call it, is showing that the value is now above the collapse of FTX, which was the biggest story, I guess, of the bear market. We had all the CFI collapsing here. We had DeFi collapsing. We had Luna collapsing. That was that big bear market throughout 2022. And now the market is telling us that it uh, is pricing all of that in and we're ready for the next stage. This next stage takes quite some time. Like we've seen, we're at coming up to 12 months since that cycle low, and we're sitting roughly around $30,000 again. So I don't think we're going to see underneath 19 and a half. That was the, the uh, again, say banking crisis low because after the banking crisis, everything went up. So really, was it a crisis or was it a media crisis? <laughs> the same thing for FTX collapse. And now this collapse, I mean, no one even knows what the story was back then. I think it was Binance doing something. Uh, we had SEC doing something else. Now we see any sort of SEC news about ETFs, just sort of, even if they're fake, which we saw recently, pump the market. And now it's sitting well above a, a pretty significant level, which was $28,400. I'm looking at this in USD because that's where the majority of the history is. So I know Aussies love to look at things in AUD and the current price is 47500 And so based on uh, your analysis here, are you sort of going, well, now that we've come out of those lows, it's pretty much the best time to buy Bitcoin. Is it time to get into altcoins because everyone wants to make 100x? Uh, what are your sort of thoughts on that market? Altcoins... I think they still need a bit more time. Yes, recently we've seen a few pump, but like we've seen with every other cycle, and I'm just keeping things very, very broad, majority of altcoins from old cycles have been through the 2017 cycle, the 2021 cycle, almost nothing. There's the odd few, but almost nothing from 2017 was able to pump like the new stuff in 2021. So do you want to be holding, uh, holding, holding the old bags of 2021 into the next cycle, which might be 2024 or 2025, that's a decision for the individual to make. You know, there's a lot of people that love Solana and Matic and ADA, but ADA is just, it's so weak. And, you know, there's a few articles that came out in the bull market. I think Aussies hold the most ADA. And this thing is just, if you can chart, you can see it's a lower high after lower high after lower high. It's just so unable to break through anything. And it recently just put in a fresh low against Bitcoin value, which just means that it's weaker against Bitcoin than, you know, Bitcoin's actually stronger. So you're getting bigger gains in Bitcoin at the moment than these altcoins. Eventually, yes, the altcoins will make bigger gains. I think we can all understand that. It's because it's a gambling, uh, a gambling play here, but it just depends how risk adverse you are. I don't think the time is now to wrap it up for the, the altcoin thing, but there will come a time where altcoins will outperform Bitcoin and ETH. It just depends on 
when you uh, want to get into it. I think that's probably coming up in 2024, maybe maybe mid to late 2024 will be the time where altcoins will outperform them. But if you were a degen getting into these things, you're buying the dip, buying the dip, buying the dip, buying the dip, you get the story, right? So by the time this thing actually finally bottoms, for it just to double again, it has to triple against Bitcoin value just to get back to break even for you. So it's a game of numbers. Yeah, correct. I mean, I'm just uh, trying to reflect back on last cycle. And I think it was in 2020, uh, you have this major run by Bitcoin. And then the alts actually start picking up towards late 2020. And then 2021, they just went parabolic, right? That's what I remember as well. It was through this stage as it started to break the all-time high, just through yeah. that October, November. So they had a quick run. Bitcoin collapses and they had another quick run. It sort of shifted narratives at that time. I don't remember if the first narrative was like gaming, metaverse, all that sort of no, stuff. I think, that came, kind of, I think it came a bit later. Uh, that was then, kind of this when one. Facebook, Facebook meta yeah. changed their name and all that. <laughs> yeah, that was like the second run. That was when gaming, metaverse and everything. NFTs had the whole bull market. That was the big thing through that. But yeah, that first stage was maybe more like L2s, so layer twos on Ethereum and those sort of narratives. And those narratives weren't around in the previous cycle. They weren't around in 2017. Our narratives back then, oh, we had meme coins. That was one of the big ones as well. So back in 2017, the big narratives were uh, uh, Ethereum Ethereum killers. Mm. That was the big narrative. So do we see another narrative repeat? I can't honestly can't tell you. I'm just going to keep following the charts. When Bitcoin breaks out of this $32,000, I think that'll crush altcoin valuations against BTC value. So just on that, you know, because I think there's a few people here that, if they've never seen your channel, they probably have no idea what the, you're talking about alt against their Bitcoin uh, value versus USD. Um, and I think I learned it in the last cycle where I got wrecked because I'm like, oh, it's on this USD pair, it's so good. But you need to be charting it on against your BTC value, right? Exactly. Because it's so high risk, altcoins. Altcoins are very, very high risk. You're already taking a massive gamble. If you're not beating the returns of Bitcoin, then why are you taking that risk? And so people say, well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You you wait, I'll show you what's going to happen. That's the typical comments that, that often come through on YouTube. You just wait, you're sleeping on this, all that sort of jazz. And they just keep buying and buying and buying. So they've got huge risk playing with some coin that probably will never make it because at the end of the day, we all, we should understand that there's tens of thousands of projects. Not everything is going to make it. Maybe you've picked the needle in the haystack. Congratulations. But I don't like my odds in that regard. It's like going to a casino. So this is my full-time gig. I'm not playing. I'm not at the casino. So yeah, essentially what that means is you're taking huge risk and you're not getting the return. And you can see that because you are watching your altcoin against Bitcoin, against the value of Bitcoin. So when this goes down, that means it's losing value against Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's actually outperforming the asset you're holding. Here, the asset, these altcoin you're holding is destroying Bitcoin. But when you look at cycles, it's a very, very short period of time that they destroy Bitcoin. And the majority of the time, they, they are getting destroyed by Bitcoin. Roughly speaking, it's almost the opposite to the Bitcoin cycle. They might be up for about 12 months and down for about three years. When you get to that end, end of that cycle, that rough three-year cycle, maybe it's about time that you, you know, it's time to look into altcoins. So let's have a look there. You can see we're at 35 bars. So I'm on a weekly chart. 35 is not even a year, 35 weeks. We can take it back a little further, come into the uh, the March collapse. There's 77. So it's a year and how many months? Four months, something like that. We go all the way back. But you get the idea. It's a very short period of time compared to the overall cycle, these altcoins. So um, yeah, be very, very safe out there, especially with the cycles that we're looking at longer term when this, uh, you know, what we're looking at when it comes to the peak of real estate, 
uh, stock markets, crypto, because things could get pretty rough after that point. You don't want to be holding some garbage when you actually need the money to live. Things get a little bit rough. So yeah, definitely be putting some aside. Don't worry if you don't make the thousand X gains, just put some money aside towards 2025 into that peak. Yeah, I think... Um... We sort of lose sight of what is normal uh, when we think about, you know, altcoins, everyone wants 10x, 20x. But when you actually think about how much wealth that actually can generate and how the alternative is nowhere close to that, you know, like S&P 500, you're happy with 7 to 10% a year. So if you really think about it and you're walking away earlier in, in the next cycle doing a 300% move, uh, you're still making so much more than what you would in sort of traditional assets like that. And I think overall, I guess the message is that we're still far from whatever the peak looks like. If the majority of people around you, I mean, I know for myself that a majority of people right now are, are talking about how they're expecting prices to go lower. It's not, mm. hey, prices are already so high. Everyone should buy, keep buying because we're going to a million dollar Bitcoin. I think when you start hearing those sort of things, that's probably when you're at the top. Yeah, getting close to it. Like you might have a few months. It might be around that peak. But yeah, definitely. It's probably not the time to be putting in more money than what you had put in 12 months ago. So yeah, you don't want to be, what I say is you're pyramiding upside down. You want to pyramid with a big base and small top. So put in the most you can at the bottom of the market and the least at the top. So if you miss the bottom, don't flip the pyramid around and start throwing in a ton at the top. I thought I'd just show this as well. Maybe if we lead on to this in you know, future videos, then this is sort of the movement of the markets leading into the, the presidential cycle. I know it brings on a new topic, but we'll leave it for another time. It's just to give us an idea of this cycle through the second half of 2023, where we see the markets going. And this is very, very typical of the third year in a presidential cycle. So for the US, I know Australia said we don't have a presidential cycle. It matters, and this is very seasonal for the markets to be down in October. Uh, and then into November, we start to push out later in November and December. So let's keep a look out for that come next month, see whether we have yeah. started to grind sideways and start to climb out later next month. Yeah, for sure. Look, yeah. um, guys, we we need your feedback. If you guys enjoy this sort of content, you know, let us know in the comments down below. This video is on my channel and we'll potentially do something in the future on Jason's channel as well. So if you guys like this, let us know how frequently you want to see it. Is it a monthly sort of catch up? You know, we can get a bit more banter going on because we're pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty loose characters, mate. But with that, uh, I'm going to leave it there. If you're interested in sort of crypto, understanding Bitcoin cycles and understanding that world that Jason's just presented at little teaser off definitely go ahead to his channel i'll leave a link in the description below and you can subscribe there any final words jason i've really enjoyed it and yeah i think in the next videos we can sort of be a little bit more free and in the discussion because i guess we need to lay some groundwork as well looking at the macro cycles which is what i focus a lot on with the the us get a little bit into the uk and australia of course the real estate cycle bitcoin there's so much to uncover so hopefully we've laid a fair bit of groundwork here and for the next one you know if there's a few things that we skip over you know there's always this one that you can come back to and watch yeah for sure look thanks so much jason and uh for everyone watching uh thank you for your time and smash that like button if you haven't already subscribe if you want uh, more sort of content like this cheers awesome. guys thanks